Let's Talk Home Repair is sponsored by Matriarchy Build, who provide tele-DIY services connecting homeowners to vetted pros for one-on-one video consultations. Visit matriarchybuild.com to get guidance on projects as small as a leaky faucet or as big as a home remodel. You can even book a session with Amy themselves. Visit www.matriarchybuild.com. Tele-DIY. Like telehealth? Yeah. Cool. I know. Hi, I'm Amy, general contractor. And I'm Alicia, homeowner. And we're talking home repair. Today, we have a special guest in the studio with us, April Rausch of Windermere here in Seattle. And she's going to talk a little bit about real estate stuff for us. So welcome, April, to the show. Thanks a lot for uh, coming by. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you ready for a bunch of questions? We're going to fire uh, some questions at you. <laughs> well, I'll give it a shot. Okay. Okay. Well, why don't you just give us a little rundown on, you know, how did you get into it? Where are you from? Give us your bio. Sure. Sure. Um, so I have been selling real estate for 26 years. In fact, wow. this is... Uh, I I officially this year hit half my life selling real estate. (laughs) Wow, congratulations. (laughs) Not many people can say that. So, um, you know, I got into it. I thought it was going to be a temporary gig. Um, I came from the hotel and restaurant background. So as it turns out, that is actually a great match. I'm used to working evenings and weekends and holidays. (laughs) Uh, That continues. So, um, but it's really fun. I think of myself as being in the service industry and not so much in sales, you know. Mm -hmm. I I love my people. Um, I've had a nice run at this point of having clients that I met back in my 20s and have followed them through different ages and stages of their lives and evolving in and out of houses. And it's been a great ride. What's your record? What's your record on people who have bought multiple homes from you? (laughs) Um, I have a couple families that I've probably done seven or eight transactions. Really? That many? Yeah. Not as their primary home. Do they have some additional... Or as their primary home? Um, Mostly primary, but yeah, I mean, I have one specific client uh, that, you know, I sold her her first place as a bachelorette, and then she was coupled, and then, you know, needed to upsize for kids, and then was uncoupled, and then recoupled, (laughs) and, you know. (laughs) But I love, I mean, it's, it's just really fun to be a part of people's journeys. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Well, there's a lot of real estate agents that didn't make it out of the 2008, 9, 10 era either. That so, is true. Yeah, but you you fared well, apparently, because you're still here, still yeah. doing it. Right? Yeah, I think as long as people focus on their customers, that is different than focusing on the sales. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's actually a record number of realtors right now um, at, coming out of COVID, if, or if we're coming out of COVID, um, because I think a lot of people yes. <laughs> lost their jobs. <laughs> yeah. um, and some people think in a hot housing market, this might be an easy way to make money. So. It's hard, though. I know it's my my hard. sister did real estate for a really brief amount of time. She went through the classes and all that kind of stuff, and she thought, oh, this is going to be great because her kids were younger and they were at home. And she thought, well, I can just do it, you know, while they're home and, and this. And then, one, she realized that, well, it takes up a lot of evenings and weekends, yes. which she didn't like. And then um, then she, she actually had to work like eight hours a day in order for it to be profitable for her. Um, and then at, at, after that, she's like, man, I'm going to find something else to do. Yeah. Well, also, isn't it tricky? I mean, yes, we're a hot market, but we're not a high inventory market. No, not at all. There's not a whole lot to go around. Yeah. The make it rich quick doesn't seem to be a good combination here either. No, I joke that I'm often volunteering for many, many months for my <laughs> oh, clients yeah. before, you know, before it finally comes to fruition. Sure. 
Sure. So, right. and I think a big um, something that a lot of people don't understand about uh, what we do as real estate agents is that our job is not specifically flexible. Like I've had some people, perhaps like your sister, who said, oh, I want to do this because it's flexible. Mm -hmm. But really, it's just unpredictable is what it is. It's on call. So, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Ooh. Give us a trend. Alicia loves trends. She loves trends. I know she does. What's the color of the year, Alicia? You know what? If you talk about the color of the year... One more time. That or toilets. Your choice. Let's talk about toilets later. <laughs> Isn't like actually, let's have, let's have that be our first question. <laughs> I have a bathroom, and we do have a tub in the house in the other bathroom. So we have two full baths. I don't want a tub in the master. I want a nice walk-in shower. Mm-hmm. Is that a good or bad idea? I think as long as you have one other tub in the house, okay. then I think you can do whatever you want. And especially in a primary bedroom, a lot of people are moving to um, steam showers and with built-in seating. And so I think that that's definitely the way to go. I do know that for resale, it's pretty important to have at least one tub in the house mm-hmm. so that potential buyers with kiddos or dogs um, – and and the occasional Calgon take me away type of moment, <laughs> right. um, have that bathtub. Uh, isn't I feel like that is antiquated. As as somebody who does remodeling, yeah, and and we go in and they say, we don't want this bathtub in here anymore. I don't care if it's our only bathroom. We want to take the bathtub out and we want to put a shower in. We want to put a shower in. And I hear that more often than not. And then and they're concerned about the resale value. It's like, well, if you're going to buy a house, you don't care if there's a bathtub in it because you're never going to use it. So so I always tell them, I said, don't worry about it. If yeah. you don't want a bathtub in your house, don't put it in there. And for resale value, especially in the market right now where we don't have much inventory, somebody's going to somebody's not going to say, oh, I don't want to buy that house because it doesn't have a bathtub. I I do agree with that. Um, And I also think that when my clients are asking me about remodel projects, the first thing I ask them is how long they think they're going to stay in the house. Right. Mm -hmm. Because really, if they're going to be in the house for five or more years, I tell them to do whatever the heck they want. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, I mean, short of painting the house purple polka dots. I mean, I, you know, but really. (laughs) And even then. Yeah, even then, you know, do, do what you want. It's your home. And if you're not flipping and not looking to resell right away, then do what you're going you're going to enjoy because the white kitchen that's in today won't necessarily be in 10 years from now. So anyway, yeah. so you're going to have to do something if if you need to do something. Yeah. Right. So what kind of return are you getting? So if if I'm going to sell my house within 5 years, what would you recommend upgrading or updating? So on the big ticket items, and this is, again, this is if you would enjoy it, if you're not a flipper, if it's something that you want to do that you're going to enjoy, kitchen and bathrooms will get you 100%, you know, return. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's that's a no-brainer. Um, beyond that, you know, I think that any improvement that you can make to the exterior of the house, so whether it's a new front door, um, invest in landscaping, you're not going to get dollar for dollar back on landscaping, but again, it's that curb appeal. What about windows? Somebody's got aluminum windows and they're okay. They're still, they're, they're double pane, yeah. but they're aluminum windows. Yeah. You know, I think it depends on where you want to. I mean, windows are not a very fun thing to spend money on, right? right? You don't right. pull up to your house Real and say, functional. wow, look at those sexy windows that I spent $30,000 on. I say that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, <laughs> me too. I dug mine. <laughs> 
Um, so, so windows, you know, an inspector that I've worked with for years said to me years ago that windows, once you already have an opening in a wall, you've got an opening. And so whether it's double pane or triple pane, it's still not going to be as insulated. I mean, heat rises. So I, I guess I just think that windows, unless they're single pane aluminum, um, and if somebody doesn't want to do the whole shebang, maybe they start on the front of the house where it's going to impact the you know, appearance of the house. Oh, okay. Okay. So I don't think that you have to do an all or nothing on windows. Mm -hmm. I think that you could take it in stages. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. What should people spend some time doing on a, on a reasonably updated home? Or should they at all? Or should they at all? Yeah. Yeah. So I do still think that people should, even in this hot market, I still think that you have to do something to houses. Most houses are going to need a freshening up on the floor surfaces Mm. along with interior paint. Um, I do think that giving buyers a clean slate to work with is really important. And if the kitchen and bathrooms don't specifically need major overhauling, and I guess the thing is, is even if a kitchen or bath needed a major overhaul, like I helped to sell an estate house uh, this past year. Mm. And we just needed everything to look fresh. So the kitchen cabinets from the 80s ended up getting painted out. And then we did new uh, butcher block countertops, Mm. which are inexpensive, but the whole thing looked fresh. Mm -hmm. So again, I think that that's what buyers really want to know is that they're coming into something um, that they can put their own stamp on, but start from a clean surface. Mm -hmm. Um, But in a situation like an estate sale, I would never encourage somebody to gut and redo the entire kitchen because it just, it doesn't make sense. Plus the fact who knows that you would choose what a buyer would specifically right. want. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see I'm I'm of the other mindset. Do, do not paint do not paint the cabinets. No, don't paint the ca- I do not want butcher block countertop. Just leave it the way it is and I will fix it when I get in there. Just, you know, so so I'm the type of person that's looking for that, you know. Oh, yeah, but you're, like, you're handy. Well, <laughs> and you're also looking for the price break. So if you walk in and say, "Okay, the kitchen we definitely have to do." You know that can right. they live, you know, can you Trick them. No. <laughs> you know, can but you I have would a see kitchen? that, though. I would see that the cabinets have been yep. painted. You're not and who I'm, she's selling to. So, well, maybe someday she will. I doubt it. You're so tight-fisted. You're going <laughs> to... That's keep you. your... No, that's keeping your investment property and you'll rent for the rest of your life as long as we have this good deal. But uh, I think that is interesting. Uh, that kind of brings me to... And this was hard for me to swallow Ugh. when we sold uh, the staging prices. Oh, yeah, that was a question. So the to stage stage or or not not to stage? stage. (laughs) So I am a huge fan of staging. I knew you would be. But here's here's the reason. (laughs) And I know that some people, some agents are even starting to do virtual staging, which is Mm. looking slightly more impressive. But I think it's really weird for a buyer to look at a house that they think is furnished online and then arrive there and it's not furnished. Yeah, it seems like... Oh, that would be weird. Yeah, it feels bait and switch. Different house. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that staging is really important for two reasons. First of all, it... I was about to say hides. I, I don't mean hides, but it um <laughs> but it um de-emphasizes. Sort of, it, thank you. Thank you. It de-emphasizes the flaws of a house. Like literally, if there's not a couch on a wall, you're gonna see every chip in the baseboard, mm-hmm. you're gonna see every ding in the 
wall. Um, so that that's the first thing. Is And it makes it feel like a home. I mean, I think that sometimes we treat houses and properties too much like a commodity. And ultimately, it's a home. It's a place that people have to feel relaxed and happy. And, and then the second reason that I like staging is because when I take my buyers into a house, after we've spent some time looking around, if one of them sits down on the staging couch, they are oh. finally visualizing themselves in the house. They want to spend that time. And if there's no furniture for somebody to hang out on, mm-hmm. then what are you doing? You're leaning up against the, you know, the single pane window that probably <laughs> should have been replaced, but you didn't notice because of the staging. People don't linger in houses that are not staged mm-hmm. because they can't necessarily envision themselves Will there. Will you actually sit people down? Like, will you kind of sit down to lead people? No, 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 no. I'll follow their cues. Okay. So, yeah, because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit down in a house if I'm not vibing that they want to sit down in the house. The other thing that staging for me does in smaller homes, I had a smaller bungalow, kind of makes them bigger. There are some bedrooms you'll go into and you're like, oh my god, I'm never gonna get my bed in here. And it's totally fine for a queen. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I I think that that's, and some people don't get that. It does seem strange that something would feel bigger furnished, um, but it's true. But it is frighteningly expensive. It is. It is. Is it expensive? Okay, tell me. I mean, because it's all relative. $20 Mm. can be expensive if you're talking about a candy bar, but $20 is cheap if you're talking about a bottle of wine. So so give me an idea. What what does staging cost? So for You're going to stage a a three-bedroom... Oh, bath don't and a go half. That your heart will stop. Go with a smaller house. Okay, too bad. Okay, so I'm thinking of your house you had in West Seattle. So, yeah, a so a little... 700 square foot bungalow. Okay, so that's similar to what I'm living in right now. And then a little 200, the, the single car garage was converted into a little office area. So we made that into a sitting office area. Guess how much that cost? $2,800. Oh, really close. I must not have gotten a good deal because I paid 32 I think. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's not that expensive. For the month, they won't go for less than a month. And in this market, our houses don't sit for oh, a month. Oh, they, they have the open house on Thursday and, and they review sell on offers Tuesday. on Tuesday and done. Yeah. But again, it's about the online presence, right? Like a vacant sure. house doesn't show as well online. So sure. it is about adding, I think, I think it adds value. What about so. those houses that you look at and it's, obvious that they have not picked anything up in like, I don't know, nine months to a year. And so what are the chances? I mean, do they sell? They obviously sell yeah, at some point. But how much do you think it hurts them? I I think it can hurt somebody up to 10% value on a wow, house. Really? I really do. Because That's a even, lot of money. Because even in this hot market, I mean, it's I, I had a friend who equated it to online dating, that it's kind <laughs> of like putting your, you know, your dating profile online and you're not going to be there unshowered in your sweats. Like you have to present yourself. And so I do think that some people get into the mistake of thinking, oh, it's a seller's market and so I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a lot like selling a car, like if you have a car that's got, you know, crunched up potato chips in the back seat and it hasn't been washed or waxed in, I mean, you're not going to sell a car. You're going to detail it. Mm-hmm. You're going to get it ready. Um, and same thing with houses. So I think that these houses that are presented really beautifully, they are what I always refer to as a cream puff. And the cream puffs are the ones, and even with like the painted out kitchen cabinets, that online shows great. It doesn't scream 1980s kitchen because those old oak cabinets are mm-hmm. now white with fresh knobs on them. And online, again, we're not trying to 
fool anybody, but it just looks better. And realistically, if I can't get to that, if I'm already stretched on the price of that home, at least I can live with that kitchen for a while. Bingo. So it's like, how long can I live with that? It's like, it's fine, honey. We, you know, we can do that in a couple years when we save up some money. Yeah, do you, exactly. Do you, do you re- recoup that money, though? Do you recoup the money that you're you're putting into painting the cabinets? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Last year I had a house that um, it was in Redmond and a 4,000 square foot house that these folks had lived in for a long, long time. Mm. Um, And, you know, hadn't had any fresh interior paint um, or carpeting or flooring in like 25 years. And so, I mean, again, a big house. So it was a significant chunk that went into that, but from the listing price then, it sold for three times over what they had invested... three times over the invested amount. Wow. So, so most of the time I would say that my clients get back anywhere from three to six times what they've put into it. Wow. Okay. So you were dubious about the windows. What else would you say don't bother? Boy. Inspections. Oh, no. I would absolutely do oh, an okay. inspection. Okay. Good. Good answer. So, so yeah. No, so this, offer an, an inspection to... Yeah. This is kind of a newer trend. Actually, this was just catching hold before COVID. And mm. then during COVID, it's been all the more important. Um, I know that sometimes sellers can be reluctant because they feel like they might discover something that they didn't want to know about. But you'd rather know about it and be able to put it out there transparently. And I think I heard on one of your other podcasts, you talked about disclosures. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's so it, it becomes a part of the disclosure. And honestly, it can help you get more offers because in this brisk market, mm. buyers are often having to either waive inspection or do a pre-inspection. And if a house comes on the market on Wednesday and they're going to review offers on Tuesday, which is kind of a common timeline here, Buyers simply don't have the time to get an inspection mm-hmm. done mm-hmm. during that time. So I think that having a pre-marketing, a pre-listing inspection is really great. Even oh, if so you're shows, saying seller. Do I it, think a seller should do it. And then they it. offer that up. Wow. Okay. Well, it makes you, makes you look trustworthy too. Yeah. yeah and you can like, go I'm in, not hiding anything. Yeah. And then the buyer can go in with eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to how to buy a house. Would you still do another inspection? Yeah, uh, ideally, I would like for my buyers to be able to do that. Um, believe it or not, though, here in Seattle, the the kind of experienced realtor and even inspection world is not so big. So mm. often the pre-listing inspection that the seller is providing, I'm sorry, we call it the seller procured inspection, Often that's done by an inspector that I might know. Oh, great. So okay. if uh, if it happens to be done by one of the inspectors that I know, then I'm able to say, hey, buyer, this is actually somebody that I would have referred you to. Mm-hmm. So we can know that it's good and neutral. And and I have to say that I one of the reasons that I like being in real estate in Seattle is I know that in a lot of other parts of the country, you know, there's a lot of distrust of realtors. Mm. And I have to say that overall, the community here is really good, really professional, really trustworthy. And the same with inspectors. You're not going to, for the most part, you're not going to get some slippery inspector that's going to gloss over something they for won't the sake work of long a seller. Here. No, it does not work long here. Does the seller have to legally show you the entire inspection? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you oh, can trust yes. that if that happens, uh, you are seeing the whole document, the photos they may take and da 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 da. Yes. Da. Yep. Yeah, wow. that's great. I didn't realize that. Huh. huh. <laughs> so, I'm going to buy a house. I want to buy a house. Hypothetically. 
<laughs> she don't right now. No, I'm going to do the co-housing, the new houses. That's right. right. That's five years, five thing. years, Agri-Village. Yes. Anyway, so uh, how do you deal with all these escalation prices and clauses and all that kind of stuff? What do you do? I mean, I would imagine that a lot of your clients are like, they're looking at right at their max because housing prices are so high. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, it's eight fifty right now, but there's a really good chance that it's going to go for nine fifty, and it's like I I can't do nine fifty. Yeah, I mean, how often do you run into that, and what do you do in that case? I, well, and even even specifically, the first month of twenty twenty two has been awful, and I imagine that this is probably happening all over the country. Um, but I would say so if I've got a buyer whose max is eight fifty. I'm really going to try to cut off their search at 750 because mm-hmm. we have to be prepared to compete in a situation where the escalations could go 10 to 15 to even 20% Jeez. above. I know it's it's ridiculous and it's you know it is it's a phenomena that is not Seattle exclusive any longer. Mm-hmm. So I mean all over the country the median house price increased in 2021 by 17%. I just heard that as I was driving in here today. Wow. 17%. 17%, And approximately 14% within the city of Seattle. Um, When you look at the suburbs around here, and I probably should have brought, I'm not good at regurgitating statistics, but for the most part, like Bellevue went up some crazy amount, like 25 to 30% last year. Mm. And the suburbs have gone up even more. Pierce County, because people used to think that Tacoma was a more affordable option. Not Not affordable option. Right. No. Great small city, but not affordable Mm -hmm. anymore. So just have to be prepared for it. So have to be prepared. Um, I do recommend to all of my buyers that it's not only important to be pre-approved by a lender, but it's really important for them to have had the underwriter take them all the way through underwriting so that there are no Mm. surprises at all because a lot of buyers, in order to be competitive, are having to waive their financing, which is terrifying. Terrible. What does that mean? Terrifying. I don't know what that means. So it means that even though they are getting a mortgage, they are going to treat it as if they are going to be as competitive as an all-cash buyer. So it means that if their appraisal comes back low, they have to have a game plan for how they're going to come up with that difference. So they can't say, well, the bank rejected me because actually this house isn't worth Worth near what I'm needing to borrow to buy oh, wow. it, and th- and that's the bank doing that appraisal because they're obviously co- you know protecting their own money, right? And then when you waive that, it's kind of like a second ex- escalation clause because let's say the appraisal comes in thirty five thousand, forty thousand under what you have to borrow from the bank, you have to make that up, mm. you know? Wow, right? Wow. And then you and then yeah. you've let you used to be able to say upon financing, which meant oh, the appraisal came back so low, so I'm out. Yeah. You know, and you don't lose anything. Yeah, either I'm out or let's negotiate on this and meet somewhere in the middle, and that just doesn't happen anymore. Wow. So it, I have to say, I mean, for my, you know, for my 26 years of doing this, I mean, this past year has been really nauseating because buyers are having to take a lot of risks in this market. So, and it's not for the faint of heart. And so that is interesting. How often can you go all the way through with your underwriter? 
Um, so when you're working with good local lenders, and I know, I really encourage that, I do think that the big national box banks um, yeah. don't have the beat on the market like our local lenders mm, do. Right. You also need to have somebody that you're going to be able to reach on the weekend when you, you know, suddenly need a refreshed pre-approval letter mm. um, for your offer. And they'll do that? Uh, local lenders will. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Local lenders are great. So some of the small local banks, um, some of the small uh, local brokerages. Throw us a name. Um. Oh, I didn't know if I could do that. Sure. Why <laughs> um, not? So um, Umqua is pretty. I was just going to say, oh, one, of my, one of my favorite lenders is at Umqua right now. So they do a great job. Also, First Security Bank of Washington does a really nice mm. job. I've worked with a the lender yes, there for security. years. Yeah, because yeah, they're they're nimble, right? They've got their whole, I mean, they can literally get up. Well, I don't know how many of them are working in their cubicles in their office. But, um, <laughs> but before COVID, they could literally get up from their cubicle, walk down the hall and talk to the underwriter and say, hey, can oh, you look okay. at this? with this client of mine. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a lot more nimble to work with somebody local. What, what do you mean by going all the way through with an underwriter? So it means that they have checked all of your documents and verified all of your documents, your okay. employment, that they have gone through every bit of paperwork and they haven't just pulled a credit report and said, oh, yep, you look good. So they've gone through everything, bank statements, savings, they've verified everything. They've dug so deep. They've dug deep. They've done, and in the before times, those were things that would happen after you'd gotten into contract and then the underwriter and the lender would work through those pieces over that two to three to four weeks of escrow. So the pre-approval, which used to be, oh, generally we see you've got some assets, you know, come back to us when you have a property. Now you really are going through all that verification. Correct. So yeah. are, they, are they then giving you um, a number saying, okay, you qualify for $750,000? Yeah, Where, somewhere yes. in that area. Some, somewhere in that number. Okay, yeah. so so that, yeah. like, for myself, I wouldn't have any idea what I would qualify for. I would, you know, maybe fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Tell yeah. them that you have a new truck. I have a new truck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll put it up for clay. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so it's ch changed a little. I just bought a house for the office, but that was as a business thing. But right. that was a whole different... Process, Small business right. administration, all that kind of stuff was, it was totally different, totally different. Are yeah. there any programs out there for residential buyers, for home buyers, Gosh. or just stick with the mainstream process? Yeah, you know, I, I guess speaking from a national level, I'm not really sure. Um, here in Seattle, I'm not aware of a whole lot of programs. There are a handful of first-time homebuyer programs, but again, unfortunately, our prices in the area have reached such an unaffordable mm. place mm -hmm. um, that really first-time buyers are really getting, you know, kind of iced out of the market. Um, a few years ago, I was really pleased that a client of mine who is a Metro bus driver was able to get into a house down in South King County. But, mm. you know, it's really it's really tough for, um, for everyday folks. I mean, a lot of my sphere are social workers, teachers, um, you know, and it's, yeah, it's yeah, really difficult. How, they do it. how really much will don't. you advise your folks as you're doing the walkthrough on, on trying to get them to stop looking at the colors of the walls 
and start talking about the expensive things like mechanicals and structural and sure. electrical updates and plumbing situations and leaks and that, 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 you know, yeah. the more serious expensive stuff. Yeah. So that I definitely walk buyers through and uh, there are six areas that I'm always super focused on with regard to whether or not a house seems like it's in pretty good shape. So the roof, the heating, the plumbing, the electrical the foundation, mm. and the sewer. The sewer is mm. kind of a newer thing that we're inspecting more and more these days, right. um, especially in these old Seattle houses. You know, you can have sewer lines that are 100 years old. Oh, yeah. So, um, and nobody wants that kind of surprise. Because that's so, an expensive surprise. That's incredibly a, expensive. That I I feel like sometimes I um, build empathy for my clients by going through things like a $25,000 sewer line last Christmas. Mm. Surprise! Mm-hmm. That was yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's awful. And those things... You absolutely need them. You yeah. need your furnace, and you don't want it to to die on you in the middle of January, right? Um, and and that's that's a great thing to do is to absolutely go for the mechanicals. Totally agree with that. I'm all about maintenance. How about you, Alicia, and your maintenance? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a believer. <laughs> right. I, I had a I had a tricky we uh, holiday. That I heard. Yeah. I heard. Rats and... Rats and frozen pipes. Rats and frozen pipes. That's right. And a lot of people definitely have had uh, basement issues. So I've gotten a lot of calls about water um, in basements. And, and, uh, you know, even though the freeze is over, I'm hearing more and more of, oh, yeah, it finally busted. I'm like, son of... You know, so you can cross your fingers, but... Okay, it is only January. We still have to go through February, which is when it really is supposed to freeze. So don't I say the it, freeze is over. I think as long as it's not here for a week, we're going to be all right. If Let's lo- hope so. If we yeah. just have little pops. But you're okay. right. I, Keep I them my fingers crossed. Keep them my fingers crossed. <laughs> so any advice you'd like to give us, April, on uh, buying a house? Um, I mean, I think that people should still hang in there. I think that, um, and this, again, not just for Seattle, but nationwide, you know, you can't You can't get a house if you don't make the offers. So there's no harm in trying. Our interest rates are still really, I say our, (laughs) Um, (laughs) the interest rates um, in the country are still remarkably low. They are beginning to tick up. But if you look What are they now? So today for a conventional loan, um, it was 3.625% on a 30-year. So still really good. And my understanding is that in the history of tracking interest rates, the average for however many years they've been tracked, I don't know, 40 or 50 years, the average is still around 7%. So we're still historically super low, but we've also been really, really spoiled the past few years. Mm -hmm. So, um, But I do think that what I tell my buyers is that there's no deal to be had in the price of houses right now, but the deal to be had is in the interest rate. And that's the way that you have to look at it because if interest rates go up 1%, your purchase power is impacted by 10%. Interesting. So oh. if you were qualified right now to buy a house for $400,000 and interest rates go up 1%, you're now going to be qualified. That same payment is only going to be a $360,000 house. So as prices are going up, so there really is, I mean, even though it's a tough market, I think it's really worth buyers hanging in there. Oh, wow. What's your advice for um, home buyers, especially first-time home buyers or, uh, that can't, get a full 20% down. Do you 
have them look at cheaper homes or how do you feel about mortgage insurance? So I think that mortgage insurance is, it's certainly not what anybody wants wants to do, Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's totally fine. I think if you've got 5% to be able to put down, you know, the house is going to increase in value and you'll be able to get that mortgage insurance removed eventually. Again, I think the key is to get your foot in the door on home ownership. And I do tell a lot of my first time home buyers that it doesn't, it's, your first house is not going to be your dream house. Your first house is meant to be your first house and it is to get (laughs) that foot in the door so that you can keep pushing the door open wider and eventually land on your dream house. Except, and I will take Seattle as the example, I, I feel like that used to be true. And now I feel, in Seattle anyway, that everyone is still in the same position of being a first-time home owner in that you still have to have a huge down payment. I mean, you have to have a down payment. It's not like in the olden days where it could be, and I'll pay you as soon as I sell my house. Right. And maybe that would be the example that you would use mortgage insurance you know, so you just have to do that percent that you can get down. Right. And then knock that out. Right. When you sell your home. Yeah. If, if you had equity in it. Yeah, it is kind of interesting because, of course, Seattle during the pandemic um, is one of the cities that our industries have actually really benefited off the pandemic. I mean, you look at the growth of Amazon and you look at our medical and research, um, you know, communities that have been working on vaccinations and things like that. General so is, contractors. And general contractors. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. but, but it is interesting that, you know, as we talk about first-time home buyers, I mean, a lot of these folks are in tech and they do have surprisingly large large down payments because of the bonuses they've taken signing on with these companies. Right, right. Um, so it it really is, it's a, the profile of our first time buyers here in Seattle is pretty different than a lot of other parts of the country. Like Spokane would be different, right? Right. They're not, okay. Right. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Well, okay. I won't get political. Okay, I'm just like, I was going to, I was going to too. And I was like, nope, I'm not going to go I there. Will stop. Not, well, thank you so much, April. <laughs> It was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was actually fun. Actually, I have one more question. Okay. And this will lead into how should people shop for a real estate agent? What are we looking for? So, again, like I said earlier, I mean, we live in a city that we're really lucky to have a lot of really quality um, people working in real estate with good integrity. So I, I do think that, I mean, it's a lot of personality match. So I would say 95% of my clients are past clients or are referred from my past clients. So, you know, there are a ton of realtors out there, but there are a ton of different personalities of buyers and sellers. And just find that person that you like and trust. Are you taking on new clients? Yes. Okay. April Roush with Windermere. (laughs) With Windermere. (laughs) Call her. Thank you so much, April. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Alicia. This podcast is sponsored by Amy Works, a residential remodeling contractor in Seattle. We want to help you realize the dream of your next kitchen, bath, or basement remodel. Check out some of our work on our website, amyworks.com. Give us a call at 206-478-2019 or send us an email at help at amyworks.com.